Welcome to Radio Survivor. We're here for the love of radio and sound. And on today's show, Hybrid Highbrow. What is Hybrid Highbrow? It just means I'm tired of the old categories. Let's celebrate great art first and put the genres aside. Welcome to Radio Survivor. We're here for the love of radio and sound. My name is Eric Klein. And on today's show, we have a special, strange episode for the internet. It's a short one, or I believe it's going to be a short one. And here's the reason why. Radio Survivor, uh, every week we produce two episodes. uh, And they're usually uh, 99% the same. One airs on radio stations around the country, given away for free to community radio stations. And, uh, geez, by last count, I haven't counted recently, I think we're, uh, well, let's say two dozen as an estimation, maybe three dozen almost, uh, radio stations around the country, low power FM stations, some, uh, some part 15 stations, and then some, uh, some significantly larger stations, or, or I should say, um, uh, non low power FM stations. And, uh, it's been a real pleasure to produce these episodes Uh, that air out on the radio, you know, what's so unique about it is that um, our podcast is always there, has been for 205 episodes. And if you're listening to the podcast, that means that you are one of us. (laughs) You're a person that cares deeply about radio in a special way, a special kind of radio. And, uh, and even though we don't know individually who you are, that we have that idea when we speak to you as an audience. The radio audience is different, and that's exciting. Um, it means that as a presenter, I uh, try to tweak uh, the audience uh, in my brain and talk to them too as well, this radio audience, because that really could be anybody who turns on the radio. In 2019, uh, a person who is listening to that kind of radio station still is a unique individual, right? A minority, a niche. And uh, we love that. And so it's it's really a pleasure to speak to them uh, theoretically or realistically. It's a very strange thing to, to do a small radio show like this and to know that people are out there but really not know when and how many. And that's, uh, that's the enigma of radio. I think we're all familiar with it. Um, somebody is listening. So what happened? Today... On Radio Survivor, I produced an episode that uh, airs on the radio that is um, too difficult to put onto the web because it is all licensed music. It is the episode that airs on radio stations around the country this week is uh, Matthew Lassar's um, hybrid highbrow concept made concrete. Matthew, if you haven't heard about hybrid highbrow, let me tell you a little bit about it. It's wonderful. You know, Matthew has taught me here that uh, classical music on the radio, classical radio as we know it, as a genre, uh, as a format, has always existed. It's been around uh, nearly as long as radio has been, right? A hundred years or so, uh, give or take. I'm not a historian. And um, it it was originally uh, formatted as this elitist, easy listening thing. And that really, you know, coming down through the generations, it's, it's stayed that way. And obviously in, on, in this great land of ours, there's radio stations that break this mold and I'd love to know more about them. I'm, I'm, I don't know everything about every station and I know so little. Um, 
Obviously, there are stations that break this mold, but for the most part, stations that I'm familiar with, they really do come across as easy listening, classical music, right? Focusing on those German composers, the three, Bach, Beethoven, and Mozart. They're all German, right? Um, And those are delightful composers, and their music is beautiful, uh, but that's not it, right? And so obviously stations play more than them, but I really do think that you, if you've listened to classical music and you want to fight me, I would love to hear from you. But the idea that, um, well, just to go way outside the format, the boundaries, they never play Indian classical music, which um, shares so much um, with European classical music in that it is, you know, uh, has a rich history, um, is played by um, large groups of professional musicians who devote uh, their entire lives to the craft of being the best at making this music. Uh, it's, you know, written. It, it's, they're not, it's not improvised music. It's not, uh, it's, it's not, it's not like folk music where, where, where everybody knows the, the tune, but everyone gets their own uh, take on it. You know, Indian classical music and European classical music could be played on the radio, but uh, if they are, I've, I haven't heard it before, right? And so that would be what hybrid highbrow is. Uh, also, Matthew in his hybrid highbrow work that you could hear if you listen to Radio Survivor on the radio today, or I should stop burying the lead. You could also click over uh, to listen to it anytime. It's been there for years now on the Mixcloud website, which I'll talk a little bit about. So um, Matthew will, uh, there's an episode of the Hybrid Highbrow podcast where using musical examples, um, Matthew compares uh, jazz music and classical music and uh, also solo guitarists all playing uh, the music of Bella Bartok. There's also an episode where they're all doing tangos. Um, the first episode of Hybrid Highbrow that we play that Matthew created and that also <laughs> makes up this week's episode on the radio version um, compares the singing styles of the early vinyl recording artists, um, was it Caruso and Bessie Smith? Did I get that right? Yeah, Enrico Caruso and Mammy Smith. And those are two artists who are in wildly different genres, the blues and opera, but the way they belt it, the way they the way they use their instrument uh and and how their instrument uh succeeded in this new format of uh recording basically because of back in the days when the recording studio was simply one one horn that you had to yell into uh uh Mammy Smith and Enrico Caruso both had the pipes to uh to sell the, the discs they did quite well and you know Matthew drawing those connections and then playing you the songs is what hybrid highbrow is all about so mixcloud where these songs where these uh, episodes of Matthew's work uh, have been sitting all this time is unique in the spectrum of online podcasting. Matthew calls them podcasts. Other people on Mixcloud call them podcasts. Uh, because as near as we can tell, as far as we know, uh, when you follow the rules, when, you, when you're when you concerned about uh, music licensing, you're not supposed to put that stuff up uh, on a podcast because it's downloadable. And we live in this delightful gray area. I know that lots of people do include uh, licensed music in podcasts in all sorts of ways. 
and uh there's not like necessarily like a some kind of like a you know it's not like how when you post something on YouTube uh they have an algorithm that crawls across every uh every bit of content and finds licensed music and flags it uh either to be taken down if the license is not available that happened to me once i didn't, I didn't even know that could happen with a pat metheny song uh it got flagged and there was no mechanism you know the other thing that happens is youtube will flag something and then um they'll just uh they'll throw up ads against it that aren't your income that's the income for the license holder uh ostensibly and that's how youtube handles it so uh then that's for now who knows who knows three years from now 10 years from now how music will be licensed uh on the internet for downloading or streaming uh it's always a changing landscape and we here at radio survivor uh follow the rules and don't want to have our content taken down or don't want to violate the you know the, the the social contract, the legal contract, I suppose. But uh, on the radio, all of that's uh, taken care of and always has been. So much so that when I used to uh, work at a radio station, it wasn't even something that they taught us and I didn't know. Like We just played music on the radio and it was fine. And it turned out that uh, behind the scenes, generations back, uh, the licensing, the money for that music had been paid. And, you, and that in that way... You could use music for all sorts of things and uh, not have to worry about uh, paying for it. And then here we come to the internet and it's a new world, Um, which is great, which is fine. So all of that is to say this is why there's an episode today of Radio Survivor where I'm just monologuing (laughs) into the microphone for a podcast uh, because I made two. I made two episodes. So in lieu of having um, uh, fresh content other than me, monologuing on the web today i thought i would talk a little bit about what we've been up to at radio survivor episode number 204 which was last week was really interesting it was a a conversation with two people who had put together an exhibit in brooklyn new york called uh, resistance radio the people's airwaves which was up which is still up now actually if you happen to be in the neighborhood uh at in a place called um the in a place called the interference archive and we spoke with uh, Celia Easton Curler and Elena Levy, who, um, you know, it was really interesting because obviously uh, this, <laughs> the Elena and Celia were members of a collective of seven people and they represented them on the show, the two of them. So we only spoke with two sevenths of the group, uh, but they had collectively um, embarked on work that was really near and dear to Radio Survivor's heart where they wanted to put up an exhibit in the archive space, in a physical space that the exhibit included sound of resistance radio. And they, they, they tackled this task. They took this on without drawing lines around kinds of radio. So streaming internet, podcasting, pirate radio, unlicensed broadcasting, community radio. It was all a piece, and they actually took it on in, in a different slice, and they described those slices near the end of the show. And I'm not going to – off the top of my head, I wouldn't be able to remember them. But it was a, it was a really unique connection uh, for Jennifer Waits and myself. Uh, I really enjoyed that episode. I, uh, I'm telling you about it now. I wonder if it was um, – 
if it if it had the same impact on an outsider, on a listener outside of our community. But for me and Jennifer, for radio people, speaking with uh, these two individuals over over in New York City, it was a um, it was a really cool way for us to feel like a like we're a part of a bigger bigger world. And I think that's what Radio Survivor is about all the time. Oh my gosh! On episode number two hundred three, previous to that, we spoke again about an issue facing the public access educational and government channels at the FCC, and we previewed this issue, um, which is a threat to the funding of radio stations based on policy that was set forth by our ancestors in the 80s that allows cities to um, extract a little bit of rent from uh, from the good people that run the cable channels for massive profits. And that is under attack, the ability of cities to demand uh, some money for the use of the public right-of-ways um, is being threatened currently at the FCC, and we talked about that on episode number 203 with Sabrina Roach, who, by the way, was guest on episode number two. I just listened to it uh, this week. Uh, on episode number 201, we uh, we spoke with Matthew Lassar about, uh, you know, I wanted to frame an episode, and I still want to frame more episodes of Radio Survivor uh, based on, uh, based on the, uh, the, you know, the the meme as they say the meme as we used to say before before the internet uh, changed the definition of memes the idea that was um that was put into my head by other people uh, that's what a meme used to be called um another world is possible right the the fact that just to even imagine that uh that things that we don't live in the uh, greatest possible world right now and that change is necessary to to make things nicer. It's an it's an act of imagination, and I wanted to talk about the FCC on Radio Survivor with that lens because you know when we have um, our expert our expert guests on, including Dr. Christopher Terry, most of the time it's we spend as much time as we can allow uh, all of it hours hours and upon hours talking about the minutia of actual policy that's in front of the FCC. But we talked with Matthew Lassar in episode 201 about um, what could the FCC do that would that would help community media. And that was, I like that episode. Episode number 200 happened recently, about five weeks ago by my count. And that was uh, the whole team, Matthew Lassar, Jennifer Waits, uh, Paul Reese Mandela, and myself talking about reaching episode number 200 of the podcast. And it coincided with a 10-year anniversary for the Radio Survivor website. Um, So congratulations to them, because I wasn't there for the very, very, very beginning. Uh, I was working at KPFA when they started. Oh, if you haven't heard episode 198, we talked about defending human rights with radio in Honduras. I like that episode. Um, We briefly but significantly featured the voice of a radio producer in Honduras, uh, speaking Spanish, being translated, and that was uh, was a nice moment for me. I used to work on a radio station that featured the voices of other people in other countries every day. It was called Free Speech Radio News. I was very proud of the work, and uh, it, it cost money, and that money was well spent. Episode number 197, we spoke with a friend of the show who had moved 
and was running a radio station in Alaska in Sitka. And that was a really fun episode because um, it's a, it's more of a public radio station, but it's, a, it's such a tiny town, so small, that the community of Sitka uh, treats its public radio station like a community radio station. It's a nice little reminder that um, radio's radio's radio. Oh, yeah. And then on episode number 193, going way back... Um, we spoke with Wave Farm Executive Director Galen Joseph Hunter, and that was nice. Uh, we were talking mostly about transmission arts, but um, Wave Farm is such a unique radio station, and uh, Radio Survivor is so honored, I can speak for Radio Survivor, to be airing on uh, Wave Farm in upstate New York. It's uh, The more I learn about it, the more I like it. And getting a chance to actually speak with uh, the Executive Director there about about the work that they do and about a particular um they had a fellowship i believe or some kind of grant proposal uh yeah a new radio artist fellowship and that was a fun episode um so nice to know about uh, people doing great things in radio unique creative work in radio and that's what we try to do these days oh and then episode number 192 maybe i'll stop here uh, titled Saving Radio History with the Radio Preservation Task Force. Um, we, spoke, we spoke with Josh Shepard and Neil Verma. Um, and, oh boy, it's such a beautiful and uphill battle to think about the, basically, short, short version is that um, the sounds of radio were not preserved. A hundred years ago, there was no technology available to preserve the sounds of radio or or barely any technology available. Um, but as the generations go by, as the decades go by, uh, the technology might have been available, but it might have been expensive. And then there's this other, there's this gray area net then where the technology was available, but there was no political will. There was no culture around preserving the sound. And a lot of what has come down from those decades, let's say, uh, let's, you know, not even the 50s, let's say the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, um, what has been preserved from those times were, I don't want to use the word vanity project, but it's almost like that, where it's like one person decides it's important to save something. Uh, that's that's a lot of the work. Now, obviously, there's been um, more systematic attempts, but as our guests on that episode uh, talked with us, there's no there's no overall uh, recognition culturally that these sounds are worth preserving. And what's a, what's so interesting about it right now in 2019 is that um, there are tapes that are 20 years old, 40 years old that are uh, not long for this earth. Chemistry is working and the clock is ticking and the sounds that are on those tapes um, won't be available to anybody's ears ever again unless they're digitized and then but la it's it's magic they're here again uh so we, we spoke about the the challenges facing radio preservationalists and how much fun it is to preserve that stuff you know which all reminds me of an episode if i scroll back a little bit farther Episode number 187, back in April of 2019, we spoke with Brian DeShazer about archiving 
uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer radio history, the, the LGBTQ uh, radio history. And Brian described finding a individual who had a storage unit of tape from the past. Now I can't remember exactly which decade. I believe it was the late 60s, early 70s. Um, amazing tape of gay radio back when uh, there was no RuPaul's Drag Race on cable television, you know, getting high ratings. Uh, back when when homosexuality in public uh, was still a crime in a lot of places and essentially uh, frowned upon by governments and churches alike. You know, so back when community radio might have been the only place to hear voices of gay and lesbian uh, people uh, speaking their truth. And those tapes are not, you know, every time a gay or lesbian person got on the radio and spoke, uh, <laughs> we didn't, they didn't like secretly uh, create uh, a record of that event so that future generations would know what they said. So much of it is gone, like most radio, but now we're in the future and we can look backwards and see just what a unique document that would be. And um, I believe it was Neil Verma or Josh Shepard who also described how it's only on the radio where you get to hear individuals thinking in real time out loud. And that is especially present uh, in an interview, in a conversation, <laughs> which reminds me today that I'm speaking into the microphone by myself. And it's why there's a little bit of a flat energy um, when two people, when four people talk to one another, when you open the phones at a radio station and receive calls, that is where um, that is where radio shines. That's where humanity and uh, this technology really. Um, it's why it's why it's why radio is not going anywhere, even if it's podcasting. It's, it's why podcasting is so beloved uh, these days. The shiny new boy, the shiny new toy, podcasting. Um, and that real-time reaction when individuals exist together into the microphone, speaking to an audience that's in their head as well, uh, you know, in, in the case of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender radio, um, queer, forgot queer, uh, you know, their their audience, their intended audience is usually other LBGTQ folks in the shadows, Um So getting to hear and, you know, leaving aside the LGBTQ niche, getting to hear anybody uh, in real time in the decade in which they lived, in the in the year in which they lived, in the past, uh, speaking to issues, you know, this is a unique document, the sound of people's voices. And it's, uh, you know, if it's, if I'm thinking about like Fre uh, Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln, you know, how how all of their speeches are written down in books and we can access them. Uh, there, are certain, there are certain voices, and it's not just about you know the famous and the, the elites. There's voices that, that are out there on tape right now in storage units in attics or basements, hopefully not basements, hopefully not attics that are too hot or wet, um, that could be preserved. And it's, it's such an exciting uh, thing to think about. Uh, 
and we've talked about it on this ep- on Radio Survivor a number of times. Well, those are just some of the episodes of the recent past. Thank you again for listening. In case you fell asleep and just woke up to the sound of my voice on the podcast, uh, today I am going solo talking about uh, our radio program, our podcast, because we have a version that goes out on the radio uh, today that, that can't that can't hit these airwaves because of music licensing issues. But if you want to listen to those, you can find links in the show notes to, to Matthew's hybrid highbrow work. Uh, that's it for today's episode of Radio Survivor. I want to thank you for listening. You know, we're a podcast and radio show. We have guests and we talk to them. If this is your first episode of Radio Survivor. Just stop right now and go back and listen to any other episode because we have guests on and we talk to them about, um, about the world of radio that we love. You can subscribe on any of the apps that get the podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify. Um, you can also email us. Our address is podcast at radiosurvivor.com. You can find us on the social medias if you like communicating with people that way. We're on Facebook and Twitter. And, uh, of course, you can find us at radiosurvivor.com. You know, I should say here at the end that we have just recently completed a um, a really interesting for us um, because it was the first time we've ever really engaged in a fund ri- fund drive, you know, like we're all radio folks and we've all been around fund drives before, but this was the first uh, Radio Survivor uh, campaign. And I, like, I can't, I can't figure out, especially here by myself speaking to microphones, I can't figure out just how to express my gratitude to all of the individuals who uh, either struggled with and didn't click or did, did click and give a little bit of their money to the work for the work. Um, you know, let me, I'm just read what Paul wrote. Uh, we wrapped up our first truly focused Patreon campaign last week. Thanks to our many supporters, we more than doubled our base of patrons, bringing us to a grand total of 64. We are elated and humbled. Yeah, that's the words I was looking for. That so many readers and listeners joined in to help support our work. The final task to finish our first ever zine is underway. Believe me, it's underway just as soon as I wrap this up. All 43 of you who are supporting us at the $5 tier or higher as of August 1st will be receiving your copy of the zine later this month. We'll keep you updated with posts on our Patreon page. Now, you might recall that our goal was to reach 100 patrons by August 1st. You'll also note that we didn't quite get there. It was an ambitious goal, but a true one. That really is the kind of regular support we need in order to do the work we had proposed to document the history of indie media and low power fm on the occasion of these movements 20th anniversaries however it's work we still really want to accomplish believe me oh my gosh we really want to do the work moreover we think there's no sense in taking an all or nothing approach i couldn't agree more our plan then is to begin to work on documenting the history of low power fm the objective is to have a first installment to share on our podcast and here on our website in January of 2020 when the service celebrates its 20th birthday. Guys, Low Power FM is going to turn 20. That's like one-sixth of the history of radio. Uh, we're scaling back from our grander narrative of linking the independent media movements to the 90s, including community radio, that came together around the 99 protests against the WCU in Seattle. But given that low-power FM has long been one of our principal areas of coverage, we think it's a story that will benefit radio survivor readers and listeners. Uh, We'll also reveal more details in this effort as it comes along. In the meantime, we want to say thank you again. Yeah, thank you again. Thank you, thank you again. If you have any questions or comments, 
please hit us up on social media or drop us a line at editors at radiosurvivor.com. Paul, thank you for writing that. I couldn't have said it better myself. I was trying to say it better, and I read it instead. Um, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back in the weeks to come with fresh episodes or at least a really high-quality reruns. Thank you for listening. See you next week. <laughs>